You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're going to close off the ninth chapter of Erovin in the fourth Mishnah. And then we're going to move on to the tenth chapter, which is really a summary, not just of the Mishnah of Erovin, but of Shabbat, of Shabbat overall. So we're going to move from the ninth to the tenth chapter. The ninth chapter closes with a discussion about public space in which um, spaces have two are enclosed on two sides, but are open on the other two sides. And we're going to look at the Mishnah in a minute, but just to get a sense as to what the Mishnah is talking about, I wanted to, you to have some photographs of the kind of spaces we're talking about. So, for example, we might have an alleyway or an underpass, which is open at the front and the back, but not at the two sides. Or we might be have the bottom of a bridge, which is open at the at one end and at the other end, but not at the two sides. Or we might, for example, build a high upper story on top of two buildings with a gap in between, just as in the, the picture on the left-hand side and the top picture on the right-hand side. If we build a kind of bridge-like structure, between two buildings, then we'll create underneath it a space which is open at the far end and open at the near end, but is closed off to the right and closed off to the left. These are all spaces, if you like, which have two walls, but they don't have three walls or four walls. And that's the question which the, the Mishnah is going to address. And actually, that is effectively the last Mishnah in the Masechet of the real Masechet of Erovin. In other words, excluding the last chapter, which we'll deal with in the next few days. So the Mishnah begins. Someone who builds an upper room on top of two houses. So this is exactly the situation we've got on the top right corner here. Someone's built an upper space on top of two houses. And we need to understand, by the way, that there is empty space below it. There's empty space below it. So someone builds an upper room on top of two houses. Or the chain, so too, gesharim hamafushalim. Maybe there's a bridge which is open underneath. What's the halacha? We can carry underneath them on Shabbat. Divrei Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yudah says. The hachamim osrin, and the sages prohibit. So Rabbi Yudah seems to have an idea that this space underneath the bridge or underneath the, uh, the high building is some kind of closed space and you can carry within it on Shabbat, even though... It looks to you and me just like an open space. And by the way, the sages don't agree. And along the same lines, the odd, Amar Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda also said, You can also make an Erev for an alley which is open. And the sages don't agree. So these are two situations where Rabbi Yudah rules one way and the sages rule the other way. 
But what is common to all these situations is that we have a space open on two sides and shut on two sides. And the Bartonur explains it very nicely in a, in a sort of graphic kind of way. He says, he says, um, Vahim, they're on two sides of the public thoroughfare. Mutaltalin tahadhalia, we can carry underneath the, the high building. Because the mouth of the ceiling from each side descends and closes them off. Let's go back and have a look at the picture of this, uh, let's say that, this the underpass under the bridge. So the Bartonur is saying that Rabbi Yehuda is saying, and the Halakha, by the way, doesn't go according to Rabbi Yehuda. But Rabbi Yehuda is saying, look, I, if I've got two sides, then from the point of view of the halakhic reality, not the physical reality, but the halakhic reality, I can say that the, the front edge of the bridge just drops down to the ground and the back end of the bridge drops down to the ground. And underneath that bridge, I've actually got four walls. And that means I can carry it and I can make an eruvenism. I can treat it like a closed off public space, like a space with a fence around it. Even though in terms of real physical reality, it's only got two walls. So that's how the ninth chapter closes and actually how the real Mishnah of Eruvin closes. And the, and the Chachamim don't agree, by the way. And then the Mishnah goes on in the 10th chapter to discuss a series of situations in which we might be pressed to break Shabbat. The Mishnah goes back to talk about boundary situations where we might need to break Shabbat. And we're going to see in these Mishnayot that the rabbis effectively bend over backwards to make life easy for Jews who are trying to keep Shabbat, at least in certain circumstances. And the first circumstance the Mishnah is going to address is a question of whether we find something valuable outdoors on Shabbat. Can we rescue it? Because we can't carry it on Shabbat. So how are we going to rescue it if we can't carry it? Hamot says feeling someone who finds tefillin, well, those are pretty valuable, right? You found a set of tefillin. Machnisan zugzuk. You could bring him in one pair at a time. Well, you could probably wear, if it's one pair, right, you could probably wear a pair of tefillin and then walk them inside, you know, inside a courtyard or inside a house. And Rabban Gamliel says, shenayim, shenayim. You could actually put on two, if you sort of pushed yourself, right, you could probably put on two sets of tefillin. You could put one on each arm and you can shove two on your head. You could actually walk two. I remember when we were learning, about saving materials from a house that was burning down on Shabbat. Remember the Mishnah taught that you could put on as many clothes as you could get on and then rush out of the burning building. And perhaps you would even come get your friends to come back and, and get more. So putting on two sets of tefillin is a bit like putting on two coats. And then the Mishnah asked, what are we talking about? What kind of tefillin are we talking about? And it makes the qualification be shall not with old tefillin. 
this seems to refer to tefillin that we know are kosher. Someone's using them, right? So we know that they're kosher tefillin. Aval, but in the case of new ones, in the case of new ones, he's exempt. We, we're not going to do this in the case of new ones because in the case of new ones, well, we don't really know whether these are kosher tefillin or not, so we might just leave them. If he found them arranged in a set or in bundle, so this is a mass of tefillin. I know this must be the secret stash of some sulfur. He's found them arranged in a set or in bundles. What does he do? He even taking two at a time, he's not going to bring to safety. He waits for dark next to them. And then he brings them in after dark. So he guards them basically. Uva Sakana at a time of danger. This might explain, by the way, why someone has stashed a whole bunch of tefillin somewhere outdoor in some weird place. Maybe in times of danger, maybe you can't just keep the tefillin in your house. Uva Sakana at times of danger, he should just cover them up and, and walk away. What if you had a friend? What if you had a friend to help you? Rabbi Shimon Omer, not Nim Rabbi Shimon says you should pass them. This is the tefillin, right? Pass them to your friend. This is presumably inside four amot, so you're not carrying in the public domain. Noten lechavero, pass them to your friend. Vachavero lechavero, and his friend to his friend. Until you get to the outermost courtyard. In fact, you only need one friend because as soon as you've passed it to your friend, four amot away, you can run round and stand four amot on the other side of him and take him again. So actually, with two people, you can pass them from one person to the other right the way till you get you get to your house. And Rabbi Yudas says, "Not ten adam the uh, oh, sorry. Uh, and similarly for his child. Now, the Gemara here refers to a child as actually born outside, outside in the field. And I find this an absolutely extraordinary thought. But the Gemara is clear that we're talking about a newborn child here. I, I, I find it difficult to understand, but I'm just passing that sort of that thought on as I as I absorbed it. The Chain Beno, and similarly for his child, this is a baby who can't walk, right? He passed him to his friend and his friend to his friend. Even if there's a hundred, if you could have a hundred people passing from one this child from one to the other. I do not understand this Mishnah because there must be a case of Pikuach Nefesh in the case of a newborn child. But this is the words of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudalmer, maybe this is where it gets important. So Rabbi Yudas says, look, you might have a jar with something that you needed to transport on Shabbat. And you could give it to your friend and your friend to his friend. You could treat a jar the same way. Even outside the Shabbat limit. And the sages are going to at least restrict this. Amrul or the sages say, you, the, the jar can't go further than the feet of its owner. As if to say, well, look, we know that the owner can't certainly can't go outside the Shabbat limit. The owner certainly can't go further than 2,000 amot outside town. So you certainly cannot carry a jar more than 2,000 amot outside town in that way. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.